Welcome, everybody, to episode one of Inside Slam. I'm Evan Goldback. This is Australia's newest basketball podcast featuring Australia's favourite commentator. He's the man sitting beside me, Steve Carfino. Steve, good to see you, mate. All right, good to be here. Who'd you check with? My friends and family on the favourite commentator? I agree with him. Well, it was actually on Google. All right. Yeah, I put that in. Bruce McAvaney came second, but you were number one. I'll take that. (laughs) So coming up on the show, we're going to talk about the latest news from the NBA offseason. The NBA offseason, it's always plenty of stories. We're going to go through the NBA player rankings that came out on the Bleacher Report. So much to talk about there. Uh, We're going to talk about the latest news from the NBL. Lamelo is definitely creating some attention in the preseason there. We're going to also chat to Braithen Nasta. Uh, later in the episode, he's going to give us the NRL Grand Final preview. And uh, we've also got a couple of special segments in and around community basketball, Steve, which I think you're going to find really interesting. I'm going to love it. Are we going to talk about the Aussies and the World Championships? That's where we're going to start. Oh. So the FIBA World Cup, uh, let's just start right there because there was heartbreak for the Aussies. It sure was. You know, I think the Aussies caught some flack where they really shouldn't have because what a tremendous achievement. They were 5-0. and What a great start. They're playing great basketball against some good teams. We're able to beat France, who I felt like were the toughest team in the tournament. You know, but when it gets down to the teams like that, it's all about hitting shots at the end of the game. And unfortunately, Australia had two quarters in the fourth quarter where they only managed to score like 13 points in those two big games and came up a little bit short. Um, I felt bad for Patty Mills because he was the one that got us to the big dance. He was you know, huge. The he final four. He was outstanding in the win over the U.S. leading up to the world championships. And then... He was the one that was a driving force and putting points on the board, coming down with clutch shots and key situations. So it was really a shame that he was the one that missed the free throw. But, you know, he got us to the big dance, and you can't make all your free throws. And I think that he's the type of player that's able to put it, put it behind him and win NBA titles. Steve, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I, I watched that, uh, that Spain game live, and obviously, you know, we were up big against uh, a really good team. But what big, uh, what good teams do is that they come back. And Spain is a, you know, they are world champions. They have been, they've been there. They've done it before. They've got Ricky Rubio. They've got Marcus Gasol. They've got guys that have been in the NBA. Fernandez, who hit some big shots in the fourth quarter. It's a real shame because, like you said, Patty Mills had an outstanding game. 30-plus points. He got us there. Let's, I don't think we should dwell on that free throw because he got us there. But I think credit where it's due. I think uh, Spain really put the pressure on us in the last couple of minutes. We put everything into that game, and I think we just had nothing left against France. Yeah, it was, you know, it's very difficult to bounce back like that. You know, had the game in the bag, we're able to, you know, hit the free throws, get. Um, get ourselves into a medal, a guaranteed medal, so it was difficult. But what I liked about the World Championships were, you know, the respect that they Australia got from the rest of the world. And, you know, especially the U.S. team, really, and Greg Popovich dishing out those compliments, not just about Australia, but the other teams, and really complimenting how the country. That's a change for Popovich. Oh. Normally it's insults, and uh, it's, he's, he's he was dishing ve- the reporters. Yeah, and he was very respectful. He though. was. He was he very was. respectful, saying that this is a close team, um, They've played with each other for a long time. They're there for one another, and that's how you play at international basketball. I thought Popovich has always had a tremendous respect for international basketball, and I think that the rest of the country in America, they need need to understand what it takes to win at the international level. Do you think the average NBA fan, and when I say NBA fan, the average American NBA fan, do you think they respect – well, do you think – let me put this another way. Do you think they have more respect for the world game now after seeing, obviously, the U.S. go out so early? 
Well, I mean, I mean, who cares? You know, like the average NBA fan in America is an idiot. You know, like because you give them a little bit of information, they think they're they're know it all. You know, they think that they would be able to. Oh, these guys make millions of dollars. He should make every single shot. That's just not true. That's not realistic. Mm. You know, you're a great a ninety percent free throw shooter is a great free throw shooter. Steph Curry doesn't make all of his free throws. The clutch players, Michael Jordan didn't make didn't make all of his free throws in the clutch. Kobe Bryant the same. You know, guys miss free throws. You know, and here these guys are super hypercritical. You know, Skip Bayless is one of the guys that drives me insane. Well, this and this is a guy that's never even played the game. He's just, yeah, it's, it's really disturbing to me. You know, it's hypercritical people with a, you know, armed with some information, and then all of a sudden they're judging people's character. That just drives me insane. So, they, you know, maybe that's a little bit strong about, you know, your average NBA American fan is an idiot, but I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, um, Let's move on to, I think, something that's, I think, really, really, really controversial. And that's the NBA player rankings that the Bleacher Report has put out. I think they put it out three or four days ago. Uh, let's just start with the honorable mentions that didn't even make the top 50. So, I mean, at the very top of the list, you've got guys like Vince Carter. You've got guys like Grant Hill. But one of the ones I think is insane that he didn't make the top 50 is Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson, for me, is 100% top 50 player of all time, every day of the week, no questions asked. And it's ridiculous that he's not in the top 50. Um, you know, of all those players on the list, I could probably look at them and say why they didn't make the list. But well, Alan, All right, why did Al, AI not make okay, it? Okay, so I was just about to say that's the only guy <laughs> I can pretty much not come up with a, a, a legitimate reason as to why he didn't make it, other than maybe, you know, his – uh, hip hop culture and the fact that you know he wasn't great in press conference and wasn't to, a great role model. Didn't go to like. Didn't go to practice. Didn't like practice. We talking about practice. Practice. You know he's probably more famous for you know the things that he didn't do well. Um, but you know great player, especially for someone his size. You know I thought that he should have been in the top fifty. But guys that missed out like Dave Cowan, center for the uh, the Boston Celtics when they had the championship run with Hondo Havlicek. He's undersized. He was only six foot eight. You know Artis Gilmore probably a little bit boring. Uh, Blake Griffin, um, you know, injuries, a little inconsistent. Grand Hill, injuries. Um, Jeff Hornacek, you know, he's he's a good player, but, you know, top 50, come on, give me a break. Um, Marcus Johnson, you know, star at UCLA, then went to um, – then went to the Milwaukee Bucks, and he was a good player, but, you know, top 50, give me a break. There's a lot of guys on there that were good players, but we're talking about the top 50 players of all time in the NBA. There's going to be some good players that miss out. Oh, absolutely. So let's just go right. I mean, let's just talk about very quickly the top 10. And there's other players we'll probably talk about on, on, on future podcasts, but the top 10, Kobe Bryant. Not in the top 10. Kobe Bryant. I'm, our Laker fans out there, I, I know they're screaming, saying, why isn't in the top 10? Uh, I'll be honest. I think he's right around that 10th mark. But, uh, yeah, it, it's it's very difficult not to have him there, a guy of that caliber, surely. Um, boy, you know, I, I think it's probably more interesting if I disagree with you, but I'm just not going to disagree with you for the sake of disagreeing with you. Kobe Bryant has been compared to Michael Jordan Probably, let's talk about Charles Barkley, who's very opinionated, but, you know, every now and then he comes up with some really good stuff. And he said that, you know, LeBron James is being compared to Michael Jordan as the greatest player of all time. And in Charles Barkley's opinion, that uh, LeBron James hasn't even surpassed Kobe Bryant. So I would imagine that in Charles Barkley's opinion, who has played against both of these guys, he believes that Kobe Bryant 
is the second best player that's ever played. So, is it, so basically, this what, what I got from that is that you agree with Charles Barkley? No, <laughs> no, uh, you know, um, I would say that he's not the second best player. You know, I'm not a massive Kobe Bryant fan because I'm more like a Magic Johnson fan who makes players around him better. And I know you like, I know you love Larry Bird, and he's very similar. You know, when he steps on the court, players around him are better. He steps off the court, they're not as good. Magic Johnson's that type of player as Larry Bird is. Uh, as LeBron James is, I know you're not a big LeBron James fan, but he's oh, respect, a great listen. facilitator. He's a yeah. he's like his body was built in a laboratory. You know, like this man's 35 years old and he still looks as athletic. Thank you. As oh, we're talking about LeBron. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I thought we were talking it's about one in the same. Okay, one in the same. You know, white LeBron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's it. Um, well, listen. One thing I will say about the that that list is I think that they've got the top five. I don't know about the order, but I think the players on the top five, I think the top five, MJ, LeBron, Kareem, Magic, and Bird, that's the top five. And I think between six and 10, you can kind of move that around. My personal opinion, I think you can take Curry out of 10th spot and move uh, Kobe Bryant up that list. And one thing I will say, whoever did this list has hadn't seen the 94-95 Western Conference Finals between the Houston Rockets and San Antonio Spurs because... Hakeem Olajuwon is a better player than David Robertson. I'm sorry. Yeah, he really took him to school, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, I would imagine over David Robinson's career with the block shots, and he was one of the first really mobile, strong, athletic centers, um, but he got taken to school on that. Well, he's real. Hakeem Olajuwon really handed him his hat. I mean, Akeem Olajuwon, just, he invented those moves for those matchups. So that shows you some of the respect that uh, even Akeem Olajuwon had for David Robinson. Felt like whatever bag of tricks he brought into that contest in previous matchups wasn't going to be good enough. So that's where we started to see the Akeem shake. And we started, you know, shaking and weaving and ducking and diving and pump faking and jump hooking and and floaters, you know, that wasn't seen by a big man before that game. Mm. And um, David Robinson helped create that player, um, Akeem Olajuwon. So um, I agree with you. Again, this is getting boring, but I agree yeah. with you. Again, Akeem Olajuwon, I feel like, is better than David Robinson. I felt David Robinson's a little overrated, but he was a great player. He was a great player. Well, listen, let's go. Let's switch gears for a second. Let's talk about the NBL because I'm, I'm really excited about the NBL season. I think this is going to be probably the most exciting NBL season since you played. <laughs> you know, and, and we can't talk the NBL and get excited uh, unless we talk about their future stars program. You Absolutely. Know? In, in the past, we had Terrence Ferguson, who played for the Adelaide 36ers, and he came to this country and was hoping to make it into the NBA. Um, and then we had Brian Bowen, who played for the Sydney Kings. He was hoping to make it into the NBA. You know, what we have with um, R.J. Hampton and LaMelo Ball are probably two top five picks. We've got lottery picks here playing in Australia. That is a completely different ballgame. So now with the breaking news being that we could lose these guys halfway through the season once there's some NBA camps, they're not going to really take a chance on a guy getting injured or, or injuring themselves. So the agents are saying, look, this is great that they're playing in a man's league and they're young kids that have, have decided not to play college basketball and decided to play professionally. But, you know, let's face it, when these NBA camps come up, these guys need to make themselves available. They are lottery picks. They're not just hoping to make it into the NBA. So if they're 
either of those guys' teams, they make the finals, they're not going to be playing for the in, in the NBL finals. Well, that's that's what the agents are saying. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's. I mean, it's just a it's a credit to what Larry Kesselman and the NBL have done. I think in the recent years, getting those two guys. But let's let's talk about Lamelo Ball because. Sorry, oh, was, no. I, I just wanted to say before we get going down that you know track, you know what is that going to do for the league? Is it going to is the league going to be like, oh, we don't want to lose these players halfway through the season? I, I think the answer is no. I think it's going to be like, if a if you come here and then you're perceived and playing in this league as a, a, a man's league, and these guys go top five, every top five pick is going to be like, mm, you know, if they're projected to be like a, a first round pick out of high school, they'll be like, I'm going to play in Australia. That's the pathway to be a lottery pick. That's millions of dollars. You know, I think that's going to open the floodgates for the best players in the world to want to play here and then springboard into the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're 100% right. And just looking at, you know, the ESPNs, the sports centers of the world, they're talking about the NBL. They're talking about it on a weekly basis. Hey, this is what this is LaMelo Watch in the NBL. This is what RJ Hampton is doing in the NBL. This is the type of guys they're going up against. And the Australian teams are actually getting a lot of credit, um, you know, and credit where it's due. Obviously, the European League is, is, is a stronger league, but, you know, Australia is probably the second most exciting place to go now. I think it's, it's also the style of play. You know, the style of play that Australia showed at the World Championships and competing with the best countries in the world. So, and they beat the, uh, Team USA, you know, in the, pre, in, you know, the warm-up game. Uh, also, the, the fact that after the, the preseason tournament in Tasmania, um, LaMelo Ball almost had a triple-double. His stock went from, like, being a first-round pick to being talked about as the number one overall pick because of his play in the preseason tournament the preseason NBL tournament. So that in itself, and R.J. Hampton is talking about being, a, they're talking about after that tournament, they're talking about him being a top five pick, and they weren't having those conversations about those guys before that preseason tournament. And that just goes to show you the respect that not just the rest of the world have, but the agents and the organizations are putting stock in the NBL as far as uh, a measuring stick for these guys' greatness. I want to ask you a question because you got, you got to play both. What is more difficult, playing in college or playing in the NBL? Well, <laughs> playing college was tough, you know, was because I was young. Mm -hmm. Young players were different then. You had to pay your dues as a college freshman. You come in, you're carrying the bags to the bus, you know, like you have to sit in the back seat of a car. You don't get the, the best bags seat I can on see the you plane. On the golf bags, man. You know, you had to, pay, <laughs> you had to pay your dues. Uh, back when I was in college, and if you were a great college player, you started as a freshman. You're Isaiah Thomas, you know, like guys that were looking at playing a couple of years and maybe declaring hardship, as in you didn't go all four years. That was a rare thing back in my day. So um, young college basketball was, was completely different. Now guys are they, they come in, they're called they they have an expression for them. They're one and done because you can't go straight from an American high school if you're American born into the NBA, you know, they've had too many, too many flops. That changes soon. Too many guys giving up their, you know, their amateur eligibility and mm. turning professional and weren't good enough. They had agents telling them they were better than they were that whole bit. So, that's a rule that they put in place so they wouldn't have so many sad stories. But there are so many guys that are pro ready, going playing in the Drew League, playing in uh, 
summer leagues where they're going up against James Harden and, and giving them everything that they can handle. These guys are pro-ready right out of high school. So, you know, college basketball is different when I was, when I was coming up in, in the um, – Back in the day. In, in the 80s. Back in, back when I say the 80s, I mean 80, 81, 82, <laughs> 83, and 84. All right. Well, at least I'm born. <laughs> Just. Um, one thing I want to also talk about and I think is a huge story, uh, and this is why I love the NBA. It's a 365-day year. The big three tournament, Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson absolutely was phenomenal in the big three tournament that, uh, that Ice Cube put on. And this is now looking like a pathway for guys that may, you know, be potentially on the outer in the NBA. And he just got picked up by the Detroit Pistons by being the MVP of that league. So, and you mentioned the Drew League, and you, I mean, you see all these guys in the gym, and it's all on a, on their Instagram and all that sort of stuff. The league is changing. Like th- there would be times where you know these guys would probably not play that much in the off season, but now. You know, they want to be noticed. They know the camera is always on. And that's, I think, Joe Johnson uh, has done really, really well to get back into uh, the NBA that way. Well, you're, you're right, you know, and, and the money is so big right now. And the guys just can't afford it. They're like, oh, yeah, he's going to play himself into shape. I, I can't remember the last time I heard an NBA player say that. These guys are not only are they using the offseason to stay in shape, they're using the offseason as to coming back with a different weapon. You know, like James Harden with that one-legged fall-out-of-bounds step sideways three. You know, that's something that he's been working on in the offseason. With a triple somersault twist. <laughs> um, it's actually going to be at the next Olympics, the James Harden. Yeah, you know, and, and because the the league is truly international now, you know, they'll get NBA guys from Australia. They get guys, you know, that are playing, um, you know, in the three-on-three tournament. They don't care where they get talent from. This exposure is, is everywhere. And it, the, the league... You know, there are teams – well, look at the awards, you know, last season. All, inter- all international plays. You know, Don- MVP. Donkic. Yep, most improved. Rookie of the year. Best defensive player. Absolutely. All players that weren't born in America. So this league is truly international, and so they'll find players anywhere and give them a job. So this is a new segment where we throw to a local basketball team uh, and we hear amateur commentary. Away you go, Daniel. We're here at Sydney Secondary College down in Glebe, checking out the Social Basketball League, so let's go have a look at the game. We're going to go OMB one more three, three times, and Andrew's going to make this pill warm Swish. OMB one more three, OMB one more three, OMB one more three. He nailed it, absolutely nailed it. Yeah, we've got Willie Wonton playing point, Friendy on the corner, had that. Oh, got a near miss from Cameron Beatty, hailing out of Condo, New South Wales. He's got a lot of heart, not a lot of skill, um, but we're not about skill here at OMB, we're about heart. <laughs> okay, so so basically we're here because there's a puppy here, and we actually don't know anything about basketball at all, but uh, from what we can see, it's a bit of a mess. <laughs> so Willie Wonton with the assist here, Will Friend, one of our star players, air ball. Henry, I'm dunking on you, baby. He doesn't like it. I don't really know what's going on. All I know is that the timer keeps pausing like every 10 seconds. So what is meant to be two minutes ends up taking 10. We've got a bloke from the team who reckons he's Kyrie Irving. Obviously that's, that's upsetting because he's not. Okay, Gonzo with the three ball. He's a big man with a big shot. Woo! Chili! That's what his wife calls him. 
because he's hot and spicy. Is that traveling? Is that a thing? <laughs> that is a thing, yeah. <laughs> we've, got a, we've got a ring in here who looks quite athletic. Oh, I don't know his name. We're going to go with Andrew. He looks like an Andrew. What do you think? I'm going to go with a bit of a Michael. Okay, Michael. Good, good work, Michael. I think it's a throw-in, maybe. Is that a thing? <laughs> we'll say that's a thing too. It's a good question, Ari. <laughs> Kyrie Irving bring up the court. Gonzo with the rebound. Willie Brown with the outlet. Or you go, find him, Willie. Bit of contact, I would have called I would have called something there. So now the team that we're not going for is up by more. So they're 19 to 4 now. Which is cool. Um, you know, we're not that invested anyway, right Lise? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> um, and I don't know how to describe what that outlet pass was. It looked like a rugby league pass from Greg Inglis to the sideline, maybe the third third row in the crowd. I'll tell you what, the ball flies from one end to the other so quickly. It's like you're looking and it's there and then suddenly, snap your fingers, it's at the other end. Like, the, did you see how fast he ran just then? <laughs> so Cameron, what happened there? Look, it's been a tough season out here, like game 13. We've got uh, one win this season. It was not today. Uh, we had a couple clutch trees there from Andrew mainly after the game but uh, as always next season Tony Cam thanks so much all right well let's uh, get into the grading that was uh, I actually quite enjoyed that I mean I, I'm loving the characters we've got Willie Wonton we've got Will Friends so we've got two Wills we've got Gonzo the big fella uh, Andrew or slash Michael the ring in and uh, I think I heard Cameron at the end there as well, who uh, hit a th few threes after the game finished. Okay, well, I'm going to give him, for originality, I'll give him some big ups for that. The crowd was honest, saying, you know, that's not much talent out there. Good commentary. They pointed out, you know, the score, and they pointed out some things that were happening in the game. Uh, I think the play was overall, you know, very poor. What was out on the court, there wasn't a whole lot of successful makes. I think they kind of staged that that one three at the beginning um, you know, it is radio. It is, ra it is radio. It so was clanking. We, the ring there was, was no proof that the ball actually went in. So <laughs> I think, I think the one success that they had on the court was constructed. Um, I believe when you know, it's very hard to call a good game in commentary when the play is poor. So in the profession, we call that polishing a turd. Okay, there you go. There you go. Well, one thing that also is, is good is that at least there's a dog there. So if the, you're not if you're not watching the game, you know you got a dog to keep you busy and um, yeah. When when she said there was no talent out there, actually it actually sounded like my girlfriend. Yeah, she she said I was a puppy, and you know if you're having trouble meeting the ladies, you bring a puppy. That is true. And that, so if you don't play very well in the basketball court, you bring a puppy, and nobody really notices how poor you're playing. Well, thank you to uh, Daniel and uh, all the guys out there. Really appreciate that. Um, appreciate the call. And please keep sending them in. Record it on your phone and make sure you send it to us at Inside Slam. I think this is now probably the highlight of our first episode. Uh, and that's, uh, Steve, you got to sit down with uh, Jonah Bolden. So um, let's have a listen to that. Jonah, first, congratulations on making the Australian team. You know, tell us... How you felt about that and when you heard the word? Thank you. Um, yeah, well, I was, when I first heard about it, it was, there was a, we each had a time slot. Each player had a time slot to go see coach. Um, and he kind of just you know, said, congratulations, you made the team. Uh, for me, it was exciting um, and, and, you know, a feeling of just, just happiness growing up and playing in Australia, you know, they, and coming up through the, you know, the representative stages, playing for New South Wales. I had a little bit of a taste under 19s. Um, you, you always want to you want to be able to put on that green and gold and play for your country. Um, 
And so to be able to do that and be a reality now was it was you know very surreal. And tell us a little bit about the NBA experience. You know, drafted by mm-hmm. Brett Brown and the 76ers. Yeah. Go away for a year, play in Europe, have a great career there. I mean, early start of a career, and then yeah. bouncing into the NBA. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Um, yeah, no, it was it was good. Uh, like you said, drafted drafted by Sixers, and 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 Brett being there was you know an addition. Ben being there as well, another addition. Um, and then then them. Uh, as a team, letting me know, obviously we will need you to go over go overseas for a year. Um, I had already done a year overseas prior to this year to that year, so it wasn't too much of a, a transition or a shock going to uh, Tel Aviv, where I was at Maccabi Tel Aviv. Um, and actually, you know, Tel Aviv is really nice and modern. Um, shocked me, uh, I, you know, as a lot of other people would imagine. You know, you hear Israel, you, you have this kind of stigma about it, but it, it definitely um, changed my outlook on that. Uh, basketball-wise, over there, it being Euroleague was was another addition and advantage for you know that transition to the NBA, um, and then you know coming over after that year and then having my rookie season under Brett, uh, you know playing alongside Ben and the likes of Joel and you know JJ Redick, all these guys that are, that have been there and done that and, and kind of set the foundation for what we we wanted within the team. Um, you know the season didn't end as well as we would have liked to, but. The, the goal this year is, is definitely the same as last year, and then that's the championship. So. Well, I got you, and I got to have something that's not as serious. But um, in the NBA, your first NBA purchase? Mm. Uh, probably just my car. My, I got a Porsche Panamera. That's, that, was, that was that. And then actually after that, I, I, got a, I had to do a down payment for an apartment. Other than that, that was really the, the only two big purchases. Yeah, yeah congratulations Thank on you. that. <laughs> Okay, well, you know, you've been in America. You went to UCLA. You know, you've been over in America, living that American lifestyle. Yeah. Your dad being from Detroit, mm-hmm. so uh, from Flint, sorry. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the basketball capital of Michigan. I know yeah. I can, can't sleep on that one. Right. Um, but we have on the show, Inside Slam, um, a segment called, I still call Australia home. We got to make sure you're still Australian. Yeah, right, right. Okay, so I'm going to ask you some questions. We've got to rapid fire them. All now. right, go. Um, Australia's Prime Minister what's his name no clue okay but I'm not gonna lie to you like I've asked people since I've been back and they can't name him oh exactly they have a new <laughs> they have a new Prime Minister so in a couple feel, months I don't feel bad for that one <laughs> okay alright um, name the difference between the American thong and the Australian thong uh, the Australian thong is equivalent to a flip flop in Australia the Havanas or whatever they are and American thong is like a lingerie all right. Yeah. Uh, right off the top of your head, give me five Australian slang words. Um, mate. Uh, good on ya. Ta. I hear ta, like thank you. Um, shoot, you got me on that one. Struth and fair, go- fair dinkum. That's, oh, yeah, that's fair one dinkum. I thought yeah, of. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. okay, now okay, we'll play a little quick draw. Uh, segment right here it said please give me the Australian shortened version of these words okay sandwich sanger all right Sanger. there you go okay. like you never heard of a sanger uh, okay uh-huh. all new to me too <laughs> barbecue Bobby toilet Dunny. television telly football Woody <laughs> McDonald's Macca's Devastated. Devo? No. Yep. Devo? Yep. <laughs> Afternoon. 
Ava. Bottle shop. Bola. Yeah. Spaghetti bolognese. Spag bowl. All right. You've completed our challenge. Good on you. Thanks for coming on Inside Thank Slam. Thank you. Well, that was good, Steve. Uh, good to get uh, Jonah while he was in Sydney. Uh, obviously back stateside now preparing for, you know, a big season for Philadelphia. I think they're going to be one of the favourites this year. I just found it a little bit strange. Uh, you know, he sounded quite excited to, you know, to be part of the Australian team and then pulled out only a, a few days later. Yeah, I was puzzled as well. I mean, as you can tell by the interview, you know, he's upbeat. He spent a lot of time, you know, doing the interview. So he was very cooperative and... Um, Knows he's Australiana stuff. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, knew all the slang. Um, and, and and I can, you know, I, I'm not going to sit in the shoes of these guys who are making millions of dollars and, you know, they decide not to play to concentrate on their, you know, their NBA season. But he was already here. So I, I just thought that, um, you know, by... You know, if this is true, that he pulled out because he wasn't happy with his playing time that he received in the lead-up games uh, in Perth, he didn't play hardly at all in the first game, and then he played very well in the second half and then decided to pull out. Um, yeah, that was disappointing, you know, especially the way Australians look at their Australian national of, teams. It you goes know? against the, the culture of Australian basketball. Like, usually the guys, you know, the Patty Mills, the Ingalls, the Bogarts, they buy in knowing, okay, we're not going to get the minutes that we get for our NBA teams, but it's all it's it's team first culture. I, I can only go on the advice I would give my own son, and I would say, look, you're here, you know, you don't want to quit at the first sign of adversity. Um, and I, I would have probably encouraged my son to play. You know, he's here. It's a great honor to play for your country, whether you're playing for five minutes or twenty-five minutes. You know, that would have. Probably, you know, from the outside looking in, that would have been my advice. If that were the only case, if that was the only thing that got behind the decision. Now, if it was the club putting pressure on him to come back, say, look, we're not, if you're not going to play that much, we think it's probably a better idea that you come here. You protect your investment. You, you protect the fact that those people are paying you millions of dollars and that, that's what they wanted him to do, then by all means, you know, you got to respect that. Where do you think he stands on that Philly team? Because, you know, and this is obviously I just want to kind of finish on this because I think, you know, as episodes go on, we'll talk about, you know, who are the contenders. But I think straight off the bat, Philadelphia is probably the one or top three in uh, in the league in terms of the contenders for the year. They've picked up Al Horford. They've got Josh Richardson. Embiid's lost a ton of weight. I don't know if you saw in the offseason. Um, ben Simmons is looking good. And they got Tobias Harris. So... Where does Jonah Bolden sit in that? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure, but I think Philly, maybe that's where maybe that's where he's like, this is a big chance for me to win a championship. Maybe I just didn't want to get injured. I don't, I don't, I don't, we don't, like you said, you don't know what's going through his mind, but either way, Philly got a big chance this year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they tuned up, you know, you have to get better, you know, like if you fall just short and, and, and Kawhi Leonard shot looked like it was short, hit the front of the rim, bounced around and went in. You know, if that shot doesn't go in, you don't know. You know, so they came up a little bit short, but every team looks to get better in the offseason. They've done that. For our Australian listeners, the NRL Grand Final week is this week. Uh, Sydney Roosters up against the Raiders. And uh, we've got Braith and Astor on the line, obviously former Rooster, uh, former New South Wales and Australian player, now Fox Sports expert, uh, but Bryce, give us a rundown on uh, what you think is going to happen this Sunday. Thanks for having me, Evan. I think for the for the Raiders, uh, their, their win against Melbourne was huge a few weeks ago, uh, heading into the finals. Oh, and in the finals too, they beat them twice. But that was a good confidence boost. The one the first time they beat them, and then because they hadn't beat anyone inside the top four, so it was a really big game for them. 
at the time. Uh, uh, and then they come back and won that game uh, in Melbourne, which I called with Fox uh, against yeah, the Melbourne Storm in the, in the first semi-final, which was huge. It changed the whole dynamic of the competition and it gave them a realistic chance to win the comp because it put them on the other side of the draw to the Roosters and it also had the Melbourne Storm and Roosters play last week like we saw. So it's given them the draw through their own hard work and, and commitment and victories has given them a realistic opportunity to, to win the comp and they can do it. I mean, like you said, if the Roosters start fast, the Raiders are in trouble. The Roosters have got the best 1-7 to seven in the competition when they are fast, flying, and at their best, they're the best team. They're pretty much, you know, they'll be hard to stop. But Canberra have shown that they are tenacious. Their defence, second only behind Melbourne throughout the 2019 season, their defence has been the big improver. Winning premierships, you need to be a really solid defensive unit. They certainly are that now. It shows that their, their culture, their values, just everything, their fabric is, is based around that now. So they play for each other. They love each other. You can see that. They fight till the end. They are tenacious. They are resilient. And that's what you've got to be to win a, win a comp. They've got, they do have the attack as well. Their attack has dropped off a little bit of weight. Uh, and against the Roosters, they'll need to score points. So that's the big thing. I mean, if they bring the defence like we expect them to bring, um, they'll be in the contest. But to actually win it, you know, you need the icing on the top. And you need the guys like Whiten, who has produced, but even Caesar, who's been, in my opinion, a little bit under the radar. He hasn't been playing that well. You know, he's got to step it up and... And even Hodgson, who's been, who has been good, has been down in try assists of late. So there's a, you know, we, we can go on all day about um, the Raiders and, and, and how they can possibly win, but it is a huge task. Well, you played under their coach, didn't you? Yeah, Ricky. Uh, yeah. Played under Ricky. Ricky's, mate, Ricky's, um, Ricky's a, uh, he's, he's a, you talk about resilient and, and tenacious. I mean, that, that's him. He's an angry. This just looks like his type of team. You know, it's tough, it's gritty. It's very Ricky Stewart, and uh, you know, like you were like you were saying before, I think that you know this is a team that has you know across from one to seventeen. I think the Roosters got them covered, but they've got those key players that are just playing out of their skin. Josh Papali last yeah. week was incredible. Josh Hodson has been sensational. Bateman has been you know he's been an yeah. absolute wonder this year uh, from you know coming over from the UK. So. Um, obviously, yeah, and those guys have just really stepped up. So I think if the Roosters have a bad day and the Raiders have a really good day, I think we're going to see a really yeah. close game. I agree. You know, Bateman, Bateman's been incredible, and he came up against the match winner against Melbourne. And he, he, you know, him and Papali have been their best. They, they really have. They're the guys that they look for when they're under pressure or when the game's on the line or when they need something, someone to produce under pressure. That's that's it's them two guys. Um, you know, Ricky. If you look at Ricky, I mean, Ricky coached the Roosters to a premiership back um, a long time ago now. And, I think and it was 02, 02, I think. 02. It was yeah. 02. Then he, then he coached them in a, uh, you know, four against us when I was at the Bulldogs, and we beat them. And pretty much since then, Ricky's, Ricky's had an average at best. I mean, he goes under the radar a bit. And, you know, I'm not, gonna, I'm not hammering him, but Ricky's had a very average success rate, very average, whether it be Parramatta, Cronulla, even at Canberra until the last season or so, mate, he, he, and he's still been able to keep, uh, keep a job and be one of the most respected coaches in the game. You know, he, he has been, honestly, like his success rate's been poor. So this year for him, he had to change everything that he stands for. And obviously he changed his technique. He's a lot more relaxed. He's a lot more easygoing. He looks like he's, he's happier. He puts a smile on the face. The players love him. They play for him. But 
that 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 move in the preseason for him to change their defensive structures and really put an onus on that, yeah, you know, has has come up big. It really has. It's changed. It's changed the Canberra Raiders. It's given them a chance to win on, on Sunday, but it's also given him life. If, if they didn't produce this year, and no one's really said much, but mate, how how long could they keep? Could people keep employing Ricky as a coach with his success rate? I know it sounds a bit harsh, but if you actually look at it. If you look oh, at before the absolutely, it was it was horrible. Well, the, uh, mate, I have to. I've, I've always I've always said this, uh, and it's always like he's got this, um, you know, this stature in the game that he's immune to any sort of criticism. Because you're right, he did absolutely nothing at Para, nothing at not. He didn't really do too much at Cronulla, obviously. But and when yeah. he had those great days with the Roosters, I mean, that team was unbelievable. Let's be honest. I mean, I could, yeah. I, I could yeah. have coached, I could have coached that team to the Premiership. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. But so, he's always, you know, I think, I think because of that early success, it's always been in, in there. People have always just hung their hat on that and thought, you know, what he's, he, you know, he's won a Premiership. He's got the Grand Finals. He, he, he can do it. And and you know what, it, it has shown now because he's back there after a long period of time. And you know what, he's a legend of the game. Uh, Ricky was one of my favourite players and. I think, you know, he is, one, he is Canberra. He is Canberra. So the actual fit of him coaching there is perfect. And and it's flourished and the cream has risen to the top. But, you know, as I said, it was about time. But now he's got there, it could be all worthwhile. Absolutely. Well, listen, mate, I've got two two last questions to ask you. You've, you've been there. At, you've done State of Origin. You've done the grand final. Uh, what's... What's the difference as a player? Because obviously the, the state of origin is midweek. It's during the season, the grand final. You, you really got, it's only media really commitments during the week. I'm guessing some light training and then you've got to gear up for the game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. But what, what's the differences? Uh, and, um, you know, how do you get yourself up for, for a grand final? Did you just try and kind of keep that all, all that to the side and, and just go about it as a normal game? Okay, so that's a good question. Now they're both they're both very big games. They're both very important, and in terms of uh, meaning um, and 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 want and 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 to, to win a game, they're, they're both right up there. You'd probably put the premiership just first. Now, just in front of a, an Origin series, but I mean, both of them are huge spectacles. I mean, everyone stops. You know, the majority of Australia, maybe not on the west coast, but we know there's a, there's a big audience. So you, you just know how important it is for your, your livelihood, your career, your family, everything. They, they, they are just so big. They're just massive, massive games. Now, um, it's easier for a grand final to prepare because you're with your mates, you're with guys that you just have been with for sometimes three, four, five years, mm-hmm. definitely the full season, obviously. So in terms of cohesion and just comfortability and waking up and, and, and preparation and routine, even though it's such a busy week, you've, you've got that comfort, you've got that, that security net. Origin's a bit different. You're only there for a short period of time. You know, you may not be best mates with the guys you play with. You know, your enemies with them on the weekend. So yep. there's a different feel there. Um, yeah, so it's a bit more comfortable, you know. But which, which one are you of, more? Which one are you want? Were you more nervous at uh, a, a state of uh, origin you know, you know decider or or a grand final? I would say more nervous for state of origin. Because again, you're out of your comfort zone a bit more. Okay. But yeah. what did I want? What did I want more? I wanted a premiership more. A premiership is just everything. It's what you always dream of. It's what you work for your whole career. Like it's it's the hardest thing. You play 26 or 24 rounds now, but yeah. you play all these rounds. You get to the finals. You got to you've got to win the games when the when, you know when the games on the line where it's do or die and you're out the next week. You got to win them. Then you got you, you know you got to get a bit lucky with injuries. You, you know there's a million different things that can go wrong and go right throughout a season. You know it's it's it, it is the pinnacle. Like winning a premiership and every player will tell you. I mean Australia 
New South Wales, massive. But winning a premiership with your mates who you work your ass off with and you just put your whole life, put it on hold to play rugby league, that is your life. You know, it's, it's, it is the pinnacle. And it's just, it's, and if you, you, you just can't think about the result too much. That's one thing I'll say. It's, you it's can't funny. think about holding. They always say, yeah, you it's can't it's think funny, about yeah. holding that premiership up too early, you know. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, obviously, you know, I haven't played at that top level, but and, and it's it's almost like a cliche. It's like, oh, it's just the next game. But I think the best players in the world, and you know, obviously, we we speak about basketball on this podcast quite yeah. a bit. It's um, you know, the best players, the Jordan, the Kobe's. The rep- they did so many repetitions that when they got to those game sixes, those those series clinching games to win the NBA titles. It was just like hitting. Right. It was just the reps had been in. They'd done it a thousand times before. That's they don't, right. They don't think about the moment. So, out of out of the two of, big game players, Evan, that's the thing yeah. too. You know, the, the Kobe's, the Michael Jordan, the Scotty Pippins, all those blokes. They're big game players. They're big moment players. They want the ball in their hands when the game is on the line when it matters the most. Now that that if you look at that, that's where Cooper Cronk and Keary have been there and done it. Now Caesar and Whiten, they haven't. Can they do it? That's the question mark. Are they going to be out of their comfort zone? They've never been there before. They don't know what it feels like. That can be an advantage, but it can be a disadvantage, you know? Well, listen, Bray, thanks for jumping onto the show. We really appreciate it. How are you, brother? Well, Steve, we are at the end of episode one. Uh, I think we did fairly well. That, my friend, is how you make radio magic. Yeah, looking I forward to next week. I, I am definitely looking forward to next week. I want to thank our producer, David. I want to thank our uh, amazing technician, Leah, who's just been looking at me the whole time and uh, basically looking like I'm making sense, which is actually good. Yeah, you're a good-looking man. That's why she, she's only human. Okay, that's true. Um, well, listen, we want to thank everybody that's been listening in today. We really appreciate it. Um, we want to make sure that you guys subscribe uh, to Inside Slam, which is available on all your favorite podcast catches. Um, don't forget, Inside Slam is a Global Story Network production. We're on Instagram. Global Story Network is also on Instagram at Global Story Network or Twitter at Global Story Net One. That's it for episode one of Inside Slam.